1: Welcome to our show tonight. This is Polygamy, What Love Is This? And I am your host, Doris Hanson, and we're glad that you've joined us for Uh, part of your evening at least tonight. We're here every Thursday night to present up-to-date and historical information about polygamy and also to bring biblical truths into the discussion so that polygamists can know that God does not require that you live this lonely and sometimes abusive life of polygamy, that Jesus alone is the Savior and polygamy is not God's way into His heaven. Many of our viewers may be familiar with our DVD, Lifting the Veil of Polygamy, where several former polygamy group members tell their stories of their lives in polygamy and how they got out. One of the people that was interviewed in that DVD was Susan Schmidt who has an awesome story of her marriage as the sixth wife to Verlin LeBaron and since the DVD was filmed Susan and I who previously were unknown to each other have become very close and fast friends. We are partners in our desire to see polygamists know biblical truths and become free from the religious bondage that polygamy groups force on its members. Susan has also written a book about her life story and it's entitled His Favorite Wife, which we trust many of our viewers have read. It's a heartbreaking story, but when you reach the last page, you will discover it has a good ending because Susan and her family escaped polygamy and are now embraced in the arms of their Redeemer and Savior, Jesus Christ, and through the years, Susan and I have often grieved together for those we love who are still trapped in the false gospel that polygamy groups voiced upon their members. I remember one day several years ago, Susan called me with some wonderful news. There is now a Christian ministry in her former polygamy group in Mexico, she said. It's Calvary LeBaron. And she emailed me the names of the pastor and his wife and requested prayer that they would be accepted and trusted in that community, and they would be able to lead members of Colonial Lebaron in Mexico who believe that polygamy is the ladder to heaven out of their false belief and into faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone. About a year and a half ago, I received a telephone call from this couple, a call I always love to receive. They had a woman with children who wanted to get out of the community and out of her polygamous environment. Could we help her? When we receive calls like that, I get so excited, you almost have to peel me off the ceiling. We are always so eager to help those who want to escape trappings of polygamy. And so we worked through all of the issues and was able to successfully help this mother and her young children to safety. And this family has been through some very tough trials, but through God's awesome grace and through the support system that we've been able to provide for her. She has her own apartment now and is going to college. What a blessing and an encouragement that is. Tonight we have as our guests the couple who started the ministry Uh, to those at the LeBaron Polygamy Community in Mexico. So I would like to introduce and welcome to our show our very special guests from Calvary Chapel, Colonia LeBaron Chihuahua, Mexico, Pastor Mike Abate and his wife, Rosa LeBaron Abate. Thank you for coming. Did I pronounce your name right? Yes. You did. <laughs> Good. So you've come all the way from Mexico and we're we're kind of a pit stop on a trip that you're making through the area. Yes.
2: That's right. Yes. That's
0: right.
1: And we've yes. talked so much on the phone, emailed so much, but never w- were able to meet face to face. It's just such a pleasure to yeah. right. to know you and to be able mm-hmm. to work with you in these things.
2: What a joy and a delight it is for us.
1: Thank you so much for agreeing to an interview. Um, I'd like to also tell our, our viewers right now Tonight our show has been pre-recorded, so we will not be opening up the telephone lines for phone calls uh, halfway through the show like we normally do. And so if you do have questions or comments regarding our topic uh, or that you would like to ask our guests or myself regarding our topic, you can email us at tv at com, and we will be sure and get back with you, either myself or our guests will get back with you according to your question. So... Your work involves ministering to the Christian from the Christian perspective to the polygamists in the LeBaron community in Mexico. We're going to talk at length tonight about uh, first um, about your ministry. But first, should any of our viewers need to or want to contact you, would you tell them? Would you give them? And we'll put up on the screen your sure. contact information if they needed to call you or email you or get in touch with you somehow.
2: Certainly. Our, uh, our email address is info at calvarylebaron.com. Our uh, Facebook address is uh, facebook.com uh, forward slash calvarychapel.lebaron. Uh-huh. So there you can keep track of uh, what current events are going on and, and uh, 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 d- different things in the lives of the families that are engaged uh, with the ministry there in uh, Colonial Lebaron. Mm-hmm. Um, also, we have a United States mailing address, and that's uh, uh, 8001-E North Mesa Street in number one five two in el paso texas okay seven nine nine three two
1: very good and if our viewers did not receive that information if you weren't able to write it all down email us tv at about polygamy.com and we'll be happy to forward that information to you should you want to get a hold of them Okay, so you're working directly with the polygamists in the LeBaron colony in Mexico. Now, remembering my own experience growing up in a polygamy group, there is no way that another religion would have been allowed to have direct influence within the boundaries of our own group and the members in the group I was raised in. So what you've done, in my estimation, is highly unusual and and miraculous, so to speak. Mm So before we get into your story, I have to ask you this question at the very beginning. What kind of, um, um, how did it feel to get involved with LeBaron's? I mean, they have a violent past that Irva LeBaron left behind a bloody trail of murder. Knowing all of this, were you afraid to go into the community and work among them? Does violence still mark the community? I'm sure our viewers will wonder that. And have there been any threats at all directed at you since you've been there?
2: No. No, the, the, uh, the community is uh, one that is genuinely focused on trying to carry on the, the final uh, words of Joel F. LeBaron. And uh, the people there have been very kind and warm to us. Uh, I think uh, probably the Lord, through Joel, himself uh, kind of set some things in motion, uh, perhaps that no one knew at the time. Uh, one of the things was, uh, uh, Joel made the comment, and it's written in his, uh, his discourses, that uh, people would come to LeBaron from all over the world, hmm. various religions, various backgrounds, to seek to become part of God's work there.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: No problem there. Uh, that's certainly congruent with what God has called us to do. Uh, another thing that he that he stated that we've had heard from numerous people in the community is that um, the statement that uh, the people our our people Joel would say uh, need a greater testimony of Jesus Christ. No well, we problem would agree
1: there. agree with that, wouldn't we? <laughs> Absolutely not.
2: Yeah. So you know, not trying to argue debate the point or uh, doctrinal issues, um, we've come and presented the biblical Jesus. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: And uh, we've had, just time after time, we've been given tremendous favor by the community. Mm
0: -hmm. We feel
2: loved by the community.
1: That's awesome to hear. Now, you mentioned Joel, and for our viewers who don't know who you might be talking Mm -hmm. about, Joel LeBaron was the prophet. Mm -hmm. The LeBaron... Prophet. Uh, yes, that's correct. The, the
3: yes. Group. Yes, Joel F. LeBaron, Franklin mm-hmm. LeBaron. Uh-huh. Is that I think is the, the F stand for? You know, I don't remember for sure, but uh, yeah, he was. He's actually my uncle. Oh, okay. Know? Yes, my uncle. And we're going to get
1: mm-hmm. into your story in just a minute, exactly. where you can uh, tell us all how <laughs> yeah. you're how you're involved with this too. <laughs> so the prophet, um, of course, uh, Joel LeBaron now uh, uh, no longer is with us. Um, so you received now uh, you a, a little bit later. I want to get into the details of your ministry down there. But you received a call from God um, uh, to go down there. You received that call personally, which mm-hmm. is much different than than what the Mormon religion would call uh, calling to a to a service position. There's no human mediator between a Christian's call and mm-hmm. God. Mm-hmm. Um, based on Ephesians 2.10. You were mm-hmm. called to go down there. God called you. How did you know it was His call? And, and <laughs> when did that happen?
2: Fruit. Um, just uh, very, very interesting. Uh, my, uh, I had been called as a missions pastor in uh, Denton, Texas, with Calvary Chapel there. And had been serving there for uh, a few years. Uh, going back uh, annually to a missions conference in California, uh, Southern California, and so Rosa and I had had uh, gone back uh, one year, uh, 2005. It was always it's always the first week in January, and uh, and when the missions conference was over, we would visit my family, my mother and father who lived in San Diego, and then we would go down to visit uh, my suegro, my father-in-law in in. Uh, in Baja California. He had a ranch down there uh, adjacent to uh, their second uh, Mormon colony uh, that they had there. Uh, so we went to visit him and uh, we spent the night with him and we're having a meal with him and and uh, he asked me to share with him uh, a little bit of time so that he could share with me a Mormon prophecy. And he he says, "Would that be all right?" I says, "Of course, you know, that, that'd be great. I'd I'd love to hear that." And so, he he sat down and he shared with me. He says, "This is a prophecy of of what we expect to see in in the, in the last days." And we believe we're living in, in the last days, Mike. And uh, he shared with me the the white horse prophecy.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And uh, and when he was finished, I says, "Wow, Dad! I says, that is fascinating." I says, you know, it, it brings to mind another prophecy in Daniel chapter 9, Daniel's 70 weeks prophecy. And I says, uh, he says, the prophet Daniel? I says, yes, the prophet <laughs> Daniel. In, in the Bible? I says, yeah. I, uh, he's, I said, uh, uh, you know, it, it's a wonderful prophecy. I says, it talks about everything that's going to happen in the latter days and the latter times. And he says, Really? Oh my! Goodness. I says, "Would you like to hear it?" He says, "Yes." I, I I didn't know that was there. I says, "Well, go get your Bible." And so he went and didn't. And, and he didn't have, um, uh, you know, he utilized his his standard four standard works: the Bible, Book of Mormon, Doctrine and Covenants, Pearl of Great Price. But the print was very small. So he had he had acquired a a, a larger uh, standard King James version. Uh, uh, what's known as a pulpit Bible, and, uh, mm-hmm. and the letters are considerably bigger. And So so he went and got that, and he brought a, a couple of my other cuñados with him, uh, Jared and Ephraim, my brother-in-laws, and, and we sat down around the table, and we opened the Bible to Daniel chapter 9. And uh, we probably spent, uh, gosh, probably two and a half hours, I know it was well after 11, close to midnight, and Dad was always one to to be an early, early to bed guy and early to rise, you know. But uh, he he was he was engaged,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and uh, right. and so were so were my brother in laws, and we, so we looked at this, we finished up, and he just looked at me, and uh, he says, "I have I have one final question," and I says, "Yeah," I says, "You know, if I can answer, I says, you know, I'll do my best," and he says. Will you organize our next family reunion down in Colonial Levaron? And I was like, uh, Excuse me, uh, and uh, and he says, uh, uh, Yes. He says, uh, I'd really like you to to organize that, you know. And I, I'm like, Well, um, look, I know it's late, and, and I, I I deliberately put him off. I says, it, It's late. I says, Please allow me to pray about that. That's a that's a big uh, that's a big uh, challenge. That's a big uh, event to take on. I says, "Let me pray about it overnight, and we'll talk about it over breakfast." Great, he says. You pray about it, and we'll and and we'll see you in the morning. <laughs> so the next morning we woke up, and, and Dad meets me in the hallway, and he's like, he's really animated, and 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 he says, he says, "So, uh, what do you think? Are you ready to organize that family reunion?" And uh, and I says, "Well, I've got a couple questions." And I, and, and I says uh, you know how do you want the different events because they usually have sporting events and youth events for different ages, mm-hmm. picnics, uh, lunches, dinners uh, this and that and the other thing and uh, uh, on Sunday it all culminated with a, with a service you know at the at the church in Zion's camp and uh, so I says, well you know I says how do you want me to carry these things out?" You do whatever you want to do, and I, I was like, "Whatever I want to do." And he, and he says, "Yeah." He says, "You know, whatever you want to so do." So it
1: was through that that you got into the yes. LeBaron community, and, yes. and uh, God told you to stick around. And he
2: said, "He said it, it was an effective ministry. Uh, we had the opportunity to share a little bit out of John chapter three, mm-hmm. and uh, and the Lord opened the door, and from there uh, we just continued." Mm-hmm. to share awesome. God's Word oh, with the wonderful. community.
1: So you said you were initially were accepted. You have been accepted very well. W- was there any mm-hmm. resistance at all or any outright opposition from anybody in the community when you brought your ministry down there?
3: I think there was a lot of suspicion. Uh-huh. A lot of suspicion. Uh, you know, we. I'm from LeBaron. Uh-huh. I was born, in, you know, born and raised in the area. and oh, raised right. in this group. Um, hadn't lived there for 34 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they knew my new husband, you know. Uh, Was it
1: easier for yeah. them to accept you because you oh, were part, yes. of group, oh, part of the group? Oh, yes. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. And
3: they were, yeah, yes, exactly. Uh, uh, how
1: mm-hmm. many, how, how large is the community? Is it spread out? Is it kind of all together in, in uh, a, a township? It's, or it's or is a, it a it small
3: county, uh-huh. so the smallest county in the state of Chihuahua. And uh, there's um, four and a half communities, I call, in this county. Uh-huh. And in three of them, there's uh, par- people in our, uh, from our group. And, and three of them. Okay. Three so and a half. <laughs> about what po-
1: would be the population? Do you have a. Uh, you know,
3: I would yeah. say that there's probably about 2,500.
1: Oh, you know? okay, yeah. good. Yeah. Well, now let's talk about you. Your mm-hmm. connection, your, your, I introduced you as Rosa LeBaron Abate, mm-hmm. so yeah, yeah. Your, your connection, tell us what your connection is with the LeBaron group and the, the, their family.
3: Absolutely, yeah. Well, my father's a LeBaron, uh, one of the original uh, founders of the fir- Church of the Firstborn and, and uh, that's
1: the name of the the official the name of the Liberian polygamy cr- group the church yeah, of the first church of the
3: firstborn of the fullness of time established back in the early 50s and uh, from uh, Mormon. Uh, Mormonism, is that the word that you wanted to use? I'm bilingual, so sometimes I, Yes, <laughs> and uh, my grandfather had gone down there after the Mexican Revolution to, to live his religion uh-huh. uh, from after the manifesto uh-huh. here in uh, Utah, right. and uh, so he raised uh, my father and his siblings, large family down there in northern Mexico where we are.
1: And they were raised yep. LDS weren't they?
3: They were raised LDS initially. My father went to a mission in LDS church, mission field. Um, his first wife was a LDS lady uh, before my grandpa started uh, really promoting uh, his authority Mm -hmm. as uh, as having the priesthood and where it came from, etc. Of course, I wasn't born at that time. That uh, my, his first wife, uh, a Mexican LDS lady from Mexico City, and he had been served in central Mexico as an LDS mission, uh, she pretty much left with a baby and uh, married my mother about uh, two and a half years later. Interestingly enough, she mm-hmm. was a Hispanic lady from Mexico City that also was part of the LDS church. So, very interesting. <laughs> so, she was brought to Chihuahua. So, the big uh, difference is kind of like saying you're you raised in New York and all of a sudden you're living in the, in the desert of Utah, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, I thought, yes, and so I'm the oldest daughter of uh, my father's second marriage, uh, but not a polygamous marriage.
1: So it's not difficult for, especially then, but even now, it's not difficult to take somebody into the history of Mormonism, uh, of the Mormon church, back to Joseph Smith and on up, clear through Heber J. Grant, they were all polygamous. That's correct. And and tell them that if you want to really follow Joseph Smith's teachings, uh, you need to take the hop from the LDS Church into the Polygamy Fundamentalist Group. That, d- that sounds like that's what the LeBarons did. And well, my happened.
3: grandfather, the, you know, my grandfather literally said, you know, the manifesto is uh, a corrupt situation done for political purposes. Which uh, it was, yes, that's uh, true. And uh, literally they uh, m- moved first to Arizona, La Mesa, as we see a lot of uh, LDS people there, all, probably mm-hmm. a lot of people that come from the same background that my family comes from, you mm-hmm. know, and then later on they moved moved uh, uh, to uh, northern Mexico also because, uh, again, more likely the same thing happened in yeah. the territory of Arizona. Mm-hmm. So uh, I understand the history shows that at one time, before the Mexican Revolution in 1910, there was nine uh, Mormon colonies uh, and uh, fundamentalists, polygamous practicing colonies yeah. in the state of Chihuahua. There, there were yes. a lot
1: down yes. there. So yes. how many wives did your father have? Do
3: you know, um, it is seven or eight, you know, yeah. seven or eight. I'd, I was counting, uh, su- <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was counting, yeah. and, and uh, you know, my mother was the uh, Hispanic, a uh, Mexican, uh-huh. and uh, she never really let us. She never really, uh, really emerged us in the polygamy oh, extended family. Yeah. Uh, although I was raised in the in the in the town, mm-hmm. so I uh, uh, so you know, i left there when I was eighteen. You know, mm-hmm. married, um, um, fundamentalist Mormon from Colorado City. That that's, time? that's what's interesting. But <laughs> yeah.
1: l- let's get back to that in just a bit. Yes. I want to ask how many brothers and sisters, siblings you've got from the polygamous marriages.
3: 36 uh, blood. Through my father, and uh, the rest we all count fifty of us uh, would be stepchildren that uh, widows married my father, uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. and maybe divorced ladies. Yeah. So there's fifty of us.
1: Oh, okay, yeah. and and so you left when you were 18. Now, did you leave to go to Colorado City? Is that what happened? No, no, How no. did you happen yeah. to get married to an FLDS man?
3: Uh, basically, what started happening during that time that the some of the the uh, groups started kind of communing with each other. And, yeah. and, and intermarrying with each other and may, I know I understand not all of them uh however uh Col- well and also this family this I married into the Blackmore family from Colorado City oh, yes, okay. yeah and this family had left Colorado City and we're living in the southern Utah area uh-huh. and uh, he became friends with some other f- uh, family members down there in Mexico and that's how we met okay. and so I was brought to, to, to Utah my, after I got married in Mexico and within the traditional system and also legally in the Mexican government. Okay,
1: yeah. so you, were you, did, did your husband have other wives? Or no, were we were wife? both,
3: uh, he was 24, I was 18, and uh, he did not, but that was the lifestyle and his father had two wives uh-huh. and literally the, had was married to two sisters and uh, had uh, several, you know, several children. Of course, they're all at a, a marrying age yeah. and uh, a couple of other of my uh, uh, friends from down there married also into this family. So mm-hmm. there's three of us from down there. They married into the family and um, lived in Southern Utah for ten years. In, in Colorado yeah.
1: City. Area. No, no, in yeah.
3: uh, St. Uh, well, it's Southern Utah area, which yeah. is li- literally hurricane area. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Hurricane area.
1: Okay. Yeah. So was in in the family that you grew up in um, before you got married. Was there neglect and abuse in the in the polygamy families themselves? You know, I was. I, I have to look
3: back because I was kind of protected by my mother a little bit, you know. But uh, as you see and you understand, there's always abuse. There's always abuse, and you neglect, know. Yeah, yeah especially Lack neglect. Of,
1: Lack of l- yeah. fathering. For Lack sure. of
3: fathering for sure. Yeah. That's uh, that's the major one for me. Yeah.
1: Um. W- now what, you married your your husband. You had children. How many children? Six did children. You have? Yeah, six children. And then you separate, got divorced. What happened? Uh,
3: really? He he wanted to live polygamy, and in uh, I was. I was per, lack of a better word programmed program that we must live polygamy otherwise we're not going to make it to the celestial right. kingdom and That's you know we're all told. The, Yeah, we're all told and that was very ingrained in me very strongly so I married him uh, assuming that was going to happen so I I wanted to be in the highest li- heaven obviously mm-hmm. you know but as life developed and uh, he's uh, he basically uh I started getting tastes of him courting other women and things of that nature, uh, and more of the worldly view, what I thought, but mm-hmm. it, you know I'm learning that I've learned that apart from Christ, it's all worldly, you right, know? Exactly. So uh, literally I, I separated, mm-hmm. and uh, the marriage only lasted 12 years legally, and, uh, and I took had the your six children, children with you. That's mm-hmm. correct, that's mm-hmm. correct.
1: So you had to raise your children alone. Yes,
3: 11 years by myself with the six children before I met my husband. Okay, yes, Michael. Well
1: well, well, let's talk to your husband here. <laughs> Pastor Mike, how did you meet Rosa? And, and what was? how did you happen to court her and fall in love with her? And what was your first impression of her family when you met hmm. them uh, after you married her?
2: Well, my first impression of anyone in her family was her daughter Stephanie. Um, I didn't know uh, anything about Stephanie's family. Uh, other than uh, I was a single parent dad raising my kids okay Uh, and when she came over she was best friends with my daughter Noelle my youngest okay and so when Stephanie would come over uh, all I recognized was that she was very uh, she was well trained she was uh, you know and she didn't act like someone who was doing this out of just simple training or road she was kind. She was courteous. She, she genuinely wanted to help. And, uh, and so, you know, I remember uh, talking with my two sons and my daughter, Noelle. I says, you know what? I says, uh, you know, your friend, Stephanie, uh, her mother and father must be really wonderful people because she's a wonderful example and a wonderful reflection of what they've uh, sown into her life. And my daughter informed me, well, dad, uh, Stephanie just lives with her mom. And I says, well, you know, her mom's doing an admirable job raising her, you know? And, uh, so from there, uh, I think I had a couple of phone calls with Rosa when my daughter would want to spend the night or this or that, you know, and I would just want to make sure, well, is there going to be an adult there? You know, are there any, are, are there any, uh, Uh, boys or men in the house and you know what's the situation and Mm -hmm. circumstance uh i was a very very um uh careful and probably you'd say strict father raising my kids i was very protective and uh i was appalled many times when when parents would allow their daughters to come over and spend the night with noel uh without calling or checking and you know, the fact that, hey, uh, you know, Noelle lives with her, her single dad and two older brothers. And to me, that would raise some red flags. But, mm-hmm. So here's Stephanie, you know, and, 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 and that, was, that was an impression. Um, fast forward, as, as Rose and I began to get to n- know each other, I think the first time we actually laid eyes on each other uh, was in biology class. Our daughter's biology class oh my. Uh, it was meet the teacher night for school. And, and uh, you know, I was a father uh, dashed home, uh, grabbed, my, grabbed my daughter, let's go to school, let's, let's get through this. we got to get home and get dinner going and, and, and get your homework done, get in bed, you know. So um, the boys were charged with their tasks at home and, and uh, we went to meet her teacher's. And so we got into the first class. There was no one else there. We were early. We got in, and I'm like, okay, let's get on to the next class. As we were headed for the door, here comes her friend Stephanie and her mother. And uh, I had only known Rosa as Stephanie's mom for probably the better part of a year up to this point. Stephanie's mom this, Stephanie's mom that. <laughs> and and so finally I meet Stephanie's mom. Uh-huh. Well, both her and I, neither one of us are, are like impressed with each other we're not looking for uh, a relationship we're just trying to raise our kids and and so you know we go through the little courtesies hello it's nice to meet you yada yada and uh, I head out with Noelle and she stays in you know in the class to meet the teacher Uh, later on uh, Noelle wants to go and visit uh, uh, the family that's having a wedding down in Baja So we had to make arrangements for that. So through the course of time, Rosa and I are uh, having to interact uh, for the children's sake. And um, finally, after a lot of nagging from my daughter uh, to call Stephanie's mom and you know, take her out, invite her to a movie or something like that. She's so nice, Dad. It's so, it's so. you know, and Stephanie's got sisters. My daughter didn't have any sisters, you know. So uh, we invited her to a movie and, you know, things began to move forward. Uh, eventually, it was a matter of, okay, well, it's time to meet the families, you know. Um, uh, she had to, uh, uh, we spent a lot of time... Uh, probably over the course of the first three months that we were courting, uh, just talking, and I'm sure Rosa thought there was something wrong with me. I wouldn't even kiss her, you know. Mm-hmm. But we're we're like, uh, don't you have to nod so much? <laughs> anyway, they 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 uh, they uh,
0: uh,
2: I come from a Sicilian family. Mm-hmm. Uh, the roots are back in New York, in uh-huh. Brooklyn, yeah. and there's Italian style history there. Yeah. Okay, if you take my meaning. I
0: think so. Okay, so
2: um, uh, I wanted to make sure that she understood what my family background was. Okay, And, and if she had a problem with any of that, that she had an opportunity to say, well, you know, thank you, but no thank you. Well, I didn't realize that, lo and behold, in the back of her mind, she's thinking, well, he hears my yes. story. <laughs> and that exactly. I
1: can relate yeah. to.
2: <laughs> so, so uh, we 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 went yeah. through this time of sharing with each other and we made it through that part. So now it's time to meet the family. Well, my mother and father lived there in San Diego, so that wasn't too difficult a challenge for for uh, for her to meet my family. Um, but then we had to go to Mexico, okay? <laughs> and so uh, you know, knowing and understanding the history uh, to what extent an outsider can know and understand the right. history? So
1: you never had any experience with polygamists or polygamy no. groups before that?
2: No, okay. no. I uh, I can look back and I can see that through the course of time, uh, God was always giving me different connections with Mormonism, but not with fundamentalism. Uh-huh. Okay. And and the people that the Lord had brought into my life were lovely people. People that that uh, were a blessing to me. Okay, yeah. uh, I had a very very good friend in high school and afterwards uh, that lost his life um, in a in a in a lumber uh, accident as he was working in the in the timber mills up in the, uh, northern Oregon. Uh, and 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 I was very close to this uh, uh, young man, a man by the name of Lee. Lee Panhorst, and uh, he he was one of my closest friends. Uh, there, there was myself who came from a Catholic background. We had a Southern Baptist buddy, and then we had our Mormon buddy, mm-hmm. okay? And we were like the three musketeers.
1: Okay. You know? okay. <laughs> well, So were you shocked when you run into the polygamy aspect of Rosa? I, mm-hmm. I, I kind of
2: just prepared myself, you know, realized, well, this is their religious culture, okay? Definitely. So... Uh, my my father was a liberal-minded democrat and he always taught us to be you know to be open to others uh-huh. and to not be uh uh biased or bigoted or prejudiced okay so i just put that hat on and and we went down to meet the family and and uh they were they were as curious about me as certainly i was about them uh-huh. and my experience was that uh for the most part my my father-in-law and my brother-in-laws, these were men that were genuine and serious, uh, sincerely living out their religious Mm -hmm. uh, traditions to draw close to God. They were doing what they uh, believed and understood they needed to do to get to the highest heaven, to be close to God,
1: that's their doctrine.
2: Yes, mm-hmm. and and you know what? I looked at that, and and and, and I just says, you know, uh, 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 biblically, uh, they're 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 very sincere about what they're doing, but they're sincerely wrong.
1: They're sincerely wrong, exactly. Yeah. Back in the early days of the LeBaron group, the females were the ones who got to choose who their husband would be, and and they could choose a polygamist. Mm-hmm. And they were urged to choose a polygamous husband. Do they still do that uh, uh, in, the b- I, in the group down there?
3: Not necessarily. There's the r- uh, not necessarily. It's way more liberal now, and a big mixture of marriage into the Catholic uh, local social Catholic Hispanic people. You know, intermarriages into mm. Catholicism. So um, when they no. marry
1: into the Catholic system, then they're uh, they they're kind of let go of the polygamy. Not necessarily.
3: Absolutely not. Uh, Absolutely not. No, no, they don't. Uh, it's very ingrained and and very uh, just works oriented. It's like what they need to do uh-huh. to really not uh, get to heaven, but be man. Yeah, you know, yeah. and have many children is extremely important. Yeah. So mm-hmm. yeah.
1: That's it. So w- so th- her family accepted you as just being. Uh, did, were you urged by them to become a polygamist too? it uh, was. Were you a Christian at that time?
2: He, yes, I was a Christian. I, I wasn't a pastor. I wasn't, right. uh, uh, I, you know, I didn't hold any any particular position. I was someone who had uh, I'd come to Christ as a young man, um, and been in, been involved in uh, ministry for a number of years uh, went through some tragedies in my life, mm-hmm. uh, that left me in a position of raising my children on my own. Mm-hmm. And yet, um, uh, you know, I, I, I wrestled with God, you know, uh, w- why did these things have to happen? You know, I, I thought I was doing what I needed to do. I was, I was doing my good works, you know, what, yeah. what happened, God, what's yeah. up with this? And, uh, but at any rate, when, when the Lord, uh, did bring Rosa into my life and we went down there, I began to realize that the LeBaron fundamentalists were a little bit different from some of the other fundamentalists. And in, in in this one thing, they 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 taught that uh there was a there was an importance and a and a value, great value in intermarrying with the Native American peoples. Mm-hmm. The Which is Lamanites. interesting.
1: So interesting. In fact, yeah. I was just mentioning the other day that very few of the polygamy groups mm-hmm. actually bring Lamanites uh, into their mm-hmm. into their groups. Mm-hmm. Very few of them do. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting that you should mm-hmm. say that. Um, within the Liberan group, now you mentioned that they go into the culture and marry within the culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, What about the male-female relationship? Does that take, or ratio, I should say, does that take care? Does that kind of solve that problem? Because most polygamy groups have a huge excess of of males and not enough females, which is naturally going to be the case when one man has several women. Does that take care of that problem down in the Liberian community? Well, it just makes
3: other problems. It makes the problem that the local, you know, native girls uh, are raised a certain way and now they're married into this uh, very dogmatic uh, group uh, with a really severe understanding of how they want to live their lives yes. and have their families, and uh-huh. then brings other clashes, very serious clashes in the in relationship. I
1: can, I can yeah. see that. But there's so there's not like the lost boy community that down there, like there has been in some of them up here? I, I would say no. No, I would say no. No, no. no, okay, well, that, like you say, creates other problems, mm-hmm. but that is not one of them. Mm-hmm. They were married, they married at very young ages in polygamy groups. Is that happening down there as well?
3: Yeah, in the time when I was a young lady, I was considered an uh, old maid at 18. Okay? <laughs> yes. Were, you, were yes. you pressured
1: into getting married earlier than that, when you were younger? Than yes.
3: That? Yes. Not necessarily by my parents, but by the man coming to pursue you.
1: And, and would you have chosen your husband at that point, or would they have chosen you?
3: I could have chosen it. Uh-huh. But, and I, in fact, I could have chosen it any time, but I didn't. You didn't? I didn't.
1: That's mm-hmm. a praise God, isn't
3: it? Yeah, big, big praise God.
1: <laughs> a question we get all the time I have to ask you. Polygamy is against the law in Mexico, just like it is in the United States. Why is it tolerated down there?
3: I, I think I'd like to answer that one because I'm the Mexican.
1: Okay.
3: <laughs> yeah. Uh, really, uh, it kind of... This Sheridan family group gatherings on how my grandfather came down and uh, they they the locals loved him and they helped him get land and and um, they were you know our my family was hard working nonstop this you know the the. I was all, all all about works myself. Okay, mm-hmm. well, you know yes, we must I work. You know, that. go to bed early, get up uh, get up early, and get things done. Mm-hmm. You know, because you have to work for God type of mentality, right. totally against what Christi- the Bible teaches. You mm-hmm. know, so that was a big one for me uh, to really understand the perspective, biblical perspective on that. You mm-hmm. know, that um, it is yes yes, it. yes. But uh, uh, going back to your question on uh, the law. Basically, they just it's, it, it's against the constitution, against the rules of the country of Mexico. Right. They just overlook it because also in the culture, in Mexico culture, in the Catholic culture, it's very common for men to have a mistress somewhere. Yeah. So they just turn their eye yeah. to yeah. it. Yeah, that's, that's yeah.
1: It. and that's kind of the way it is up here. They just uh, it, it's not because it's common to have a mistress, like as cultural as it is there, but they just they've let it go so long now that it's too huge of a problem to to, mm-hmm. to deal with. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about what God called you to do in the LeBaron community he called you you know the call was down you have told us how he called you to go down there and plant roots and and plant a Christian influence and presence in that community what exactly have you been doing
3: Doris I'd like to say one thing first I was I did not receive a call it was my husband okay Uh and uh, I, I had been walking with Jesus Christ through Biblical, the, you know, my husband, uh, came to the Lord and literally I was, at the challenge the Lord put in front of me to to just, I'm one flesh from my husband. He gets a call, come alongside,
1: right? You know, right. And it was quite so scary So because for you, me. because yeah. you are one as a married couple. When God called him, He also called you. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly.
3: Yeah. He didn't actually call me to ministry, just to minister to my husband. Right. You know, cook uh-huh. for him and love uh-huh. him and yeah. you know and uh, and pray for him. You know and support. So, support exactly, what he's doing. exactly.
1: Exactly. Very good. Yeah. Um, and that's that's refreshing to hear mm-hmm. you say that so what exactly did he call you to do
2: well uh it was very very unique i'd never experienced uh something quite like this in my life before um you you know sometimes we 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 see or hear of situations where people say you know god spoke to me Mm -hmm. you know um i've even i've even taken psychological tests i'd applied one time the sheriff's department in in San Diego County, and 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 they put you through this this uh, this this group of tests, you know, to find out if you're crazy or not, you know, or if you're suitable for. It. And uh, one of those tests uh, had questions like, "How have you ever spoken to God?" Well, yeah, I pray, you know. And then, of course, the next question is has God ever answered back, you know? And, and it's like, you read these questions, it's like, where are they going with this,
3: uh-huh. you know?
2: And uh, so, you know, it, it's like the culture in the United States wants to get you like, uh, not comfortable really having a relationship with God. And so as, as God had been continuing to work in my life, and we were seeing what was going on during this family reunion uh, there was a point in time as people were asking us more and more about what God was doing in our life that he wanted to know that that God literally within me not, not like a charlton Heston hello Moses you know go mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. set my people free type thing you know it wasn't a, a voice from a mountain on high, right. but it was it was something deep within that that welled up and it was like, you see, I'm at work here. Mm-hmm. I want you to come alongside and bless and serve the community, <coughs> and teach the Bible. And I was like, well, uh, I I kind of had an idea already what it meant to, to teach God's Word, uh, but I didn't understand what God was meaning by bless and serve.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, and that was something that he, uh, a- as we did join him and... Uh, through the course of time, he he showed us those things, mm-hmm. and it was basically any any opportunity that uh, w- was given to us with whatever skill set we had. sometimes it was it was working on people's computers, mm-hmm.
1: um, just ministering in general mm-hmm. to yeah, what just what the needs were that you could giving fill. what
2: we had, and that's mm-hmm. that's an encouraging thing that I want to share with with anybody because. We all have neighbors, friends, and family that do or don't know the biblical Jesus. Right. And so if you have a friend or family member that that needs to know Christ, just give the Lord everything that you have. And the Lord will use something from from that
1: A cup of cold water. Resource. In his name. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: And, and and he will minister to others. So and that's te- that's what he began to do and continues to do in growing magnified ways.
1: So teaching the Bible then was the main aspect Yes. as you went in there to minister was, was the focus of your right. the, your aim with all of these peripherals that just mm-hmm. come in as you're there yes. according to it the needs was, of the community. Mm-hmm. It was, mm-hmm.
2: never, it was right. never a focus on trying to sit down with people and straighten out their doctrine. Yeah, It was never trying to argue and debate over the Book of Mormon or what Joseph Smith, Brigham Young, Joel F. LeBaron, or anyone else had to say. It was just, well... This is what the Bible says. Was there much
1: resistance to the Bible? Because that happens in a lot of the Mormon communities, whether it's the mainline church or the polygamy mm. groups. Much resistance against the Bible. Did you have you found that down there?
2: No, no. I was very, That's very. Amazing. It was very interesting. Uh, you know, and, and and there again, you know, speaking to Christians that are listening to this broadcast, you know, we've all had. Uh, uh, people bringing and 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 teaching Mormonism show up at our door from time to time, mm-hmm. and uh, they will they will come in and 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 you might have a conversation with them, and you might say, "Well, I'm a Christian. I believe in the Bible," and their response is generally, "Well, we believe in the Bible too, mm-hmm. as far as it's translated correctly." Right, right. And and so I remember there used to be a time when when I would like, oh. Well, does that mean that there's some parts in the Bible that aren't translated correctly, you know? And 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 it was like, oh well, you know, I would begin to question what I'd been taught, question perhaps what I'd read, mm-hmm. question God. Yeah. And and, but through the course of time, here in LeBaron, I, I learned that that was that was a very valuable conversation uh, starter, you know. Mm-hmm. Say, well, you know. You you all believe in the Bible, right? Well, yes, as far as it's translated correctly, mm-hmm. and 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 we'd just go on. We'd sit down, open the Bible, and and share some things. You know, in 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 eight years, will be eight years in August. Wow. I have yet to have someone stand up in the middle of of service, or even come up afterwards and say, Pastor Mike, I'm sorry, but that's not translated correctly.
1: That's that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. I have had people do that. Yeah. Where that's that can't be translated to I have actually seen that happen a lot and probably more people up here have because the, sure. the community is more diverse so sure. do they accept that the Bible is God's authority his word and authority over
2: they us don't humans? believe that the Bible is inerrant as a uh, but do
1: they believe in the authority of the Bible that it actually does have authority over us
2: that's that's a questionable point. Okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that is a very questionable point. What I see, most people that want to share uh, uh, a doctrine from Mormonism, whether it's fundamentalist or LDS, uh, we have b- both in our community, mm-hmm. um, they, they will generally share from the, the authority and foundation of the Book of Mormon and then use biblical uh, concepts to, to kind of... Justify or confirm.
1: Or, or, and sometimes they'll weave them together and come yeah. up with some, uh-huh.
3: yeah.
2: something Doris, that doesn't really mix. Yeah,
3: Doris, I found that, uh, like on myself being raised there, nobody really knew the Bible.
1: Yeah. And exactly. they're saying,
3: there's a Bible study going on. Oh, I want my kids to mm. know the Bible. I want to know the Bible. Oh. And so that was a real. Uh, that's uh-huh. that, that's yes. wonderful
1: mm-hmm. to see that yeah. happen. Where they yeah. actually want to know. So mm-hmm. many of them will reject, mm-hmm. and also so many uh, people who leave uh, any part of Mormonism, whether mm-hmm. it's the LDS Church or the polygamy groups or whatever, they will uh, they find out that maybe there's something wrong. That that mm-hmm. they find out things that are wrong with their doctrine or their mm-hmm. history, and they'll walk away from it. Mm. uh, I see this so many people who Mm. leave polygamy groups. They'll just walk away from God. They'll throw out the baby with the Mm bathwater. If this isn't right, nothing is. I'm free to do whatever I want. God is no more going to be part Mm -hmm. of my thinking. Mm -hmm. Do you see that a lot down there?
3: A little, a little. We see some. Mm -hmm.
2: Yes, some.
1: That's so sad. Mm -hmm. That's so sad.
2: And I did that
1: for 25 years myself Mm -hmm. after I left.
2: Thankfully, we have had a few of those people that go through challenges or, or heartbreaks They may show up at our door, uh, and and they're like, you know, what do I do? Do I leave? Do I leave my husband? Do I do this? Do I do that? You know, Mm. and 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 we'll we'll encourage them, look, you know, the Bible teaches that if if you're married, you're one flesh with your husband, okay? And we might be a little different, uh, in that in that particular point with with some people. We've I've actually had. Um, Polygamous bring a wife that they're having struggles with, mm-hmm. and want to know, uh, can you share something from the Bible with my wife? And, I'm, and I'll say, sure, if if you're willing to let me share something out of the Bible with you, with you too. Okay, yeah. that's a good and, exchange. And, and they're like, well, uh, okay, you know, and and we'll go to Ephesians and we'll look at what. Uh, a relationship between a husband and a wife is about, you know, mm-hmm. and and uh, you know we're we're an equal opportunity uh,
1: minister counselor in ministry, <laughs> so uh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So b- so they still do hold on to and hang on to the basics of Mormonism, Joseph Smith, Brigham mm-hmm. Young, the Book of Mormon, mm-hmm. the four standard works like you mm-hmm. mentioned. Uh, they, they teach that and they teach their children.
3: In addition that to that, the uh, all the teachings that went through uh, Joe F. LeBaron.
1: And through the mm-hmm. LeBaron group yes. too, the yes. unique yes. teachings yes. that they have. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about the prophet? Now, he was the prophet. He died. Uh, some of his prophecies didn't come true. And I think that's one part of Susan's story is, uh, you know... Uh, uh, he wasn't supposed to die. Oh, no. Jesus came back, and here he is dead. And Jesus didn't come back. Mm-hmm. Do they have a prophet now? And if they don't, mm-hmm. how are they managing without a prophet? Every polygamy group has to have a prophet.
3: Yeah, they haven't had a prophet for 42 years. Coming up on 42 years, and they just have established kind of little splinter groups within themselves with leadership within that, waiting for a prophet.
1: Mm-hmm. And so those little splinter groups, do they clash with each other. Or do they get pretty Some much get occasionally
3: along? With occasionally, with each other? Mm-hmm. they clash, and sometimes heavy, and sometimes light. Yeah. You know. But this no. is going on. They've been going on for 40 years, you know. Yeah. yeah. So
1: they kind of live with their, with mm-hmm. their differences. Yeah. It's odd to me, knowing the nature of the beast, mm-hmm. that somebody hasn't risen up and said, I'm your prophet. Mm-hmm. Has anyone tried to do that? You know, down there, and I did
3: not live there for 34 years prior to my husband having the call there. So, I'm really not quite sure. And I I try not to get too much into the history of that, try to love them and serve Mm them, you know, and have them see the Lord, Mm -hmm. you know, His love, Mm -hmm. and not really get into any kind of uh, discussions, Mm -hmm. you know, just be available to love them and serve them. So, you you
1: couldn't, and and maybe this we don't even, maybe this isn't um, relevant. If someone did come and, and say, "I'm your prophet," would they embrace him? Do you know?
2: I think that that uh, that's probably you know knowing knowing the basic uh, having a basic understanding for 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 Mormonism uh, and knowing that uh, current uh, revelation is important and can actually trump prior and right. previous revelation, exactly, including. God's word, uh-huh. the Bible, mm-hmm. biblical revelation. Um, I think that the that the perhaps the the uh, the the cast is set uh, for something like that to happen. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. I, I, I mean that's kind of a, as I go back and look at Mormon history, that's kind of what we see happening. And yet, um, uh, someone, if someone were to rise up. And, and stake a claim that uh, God had spoken to them, you know, and have a Joseph Smith style uh, revelation or a Joel F. LeBaron style revelation, that that would have to be something that was confirmed by others within, mm-hmm. within the, the community and that would be something that they would have to r- resolve. And I'm sure that, that they probably have a lot of thoughts about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, from what I can see now, the people in this community are diligently trying to carry on from where Joel left them. They're trying to be uh, 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 true and faithful to what they last We we only have
1: a couple more minutes. Can you very quickly uh, give us your thoughts on the the way marriage has been redefined?
2: Mm, Thank you. Mm -hmm. Um, Marriage is very important to God. It is. In Genesis, the first uh, relationship with mankind that God established was marriage. Mm-hmm. Okay, one man one woman okay uh, the Bible begins with marriage and it ends with, with marriage uh, the wedding supper of the Lamb mm-hmm. and uh, so we see all through the Bible then is a struggle of success and failure success and failure and, and, and what the Lord brings together to be the ultimate and eternal wedding between his bride and himself mm-hmm. okay um the world in which we live in is radically trying to define marriage in any number of ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether it's uh, uh, two men, two women. Uh, you know, I've even read of someone that married their computer. Okay, there's uh, marrying their pets, putting them in there in in their in their uh, wills and things like that. My contention is is that you could no more redefine marriage because God defined marriage than you could redefine basketball. If you were to say, well, basketball is where two guys get together and spend life together, people would say that's ridiculous. Well, my contention is it's just as ridiculous to try and call that or anything else other than the biblical definition of one man, one woman. Each man should have his own wife. Each and w- each woman, her woman should have husband. her own husband. And
1: the Bible is clear that monogamy is God's way. That's correct. Cool. And uh, the polygamy was never commanded by Him. Yes. I really do appreciate mm-hmm. you coming and sharing with us. You know, it go- time goes by so fast. It's such a pleasure to talk to you and to know that you're down there in this community ministering from God's mm. Word, ministering to them who have been starved. I know when I first became a Christian and realized that God loved me, I was starved. I was like a dry spirit and I just starve to hear His Word yes. and, and just take in everything. And you're doing that for them down there. And it's been such a pleasure to be able to work with this girl yeah. that you sent up to us. Send more our way. We would love to have them. So, thank you, Michael and Rosa thank Abate. Thank you for having us. You know, re- religious teachings that uh, often teach that religion is our law, uh, uh, to the law is our ladder to heaven, with some, of course, that includes polygamy. But Galatians 2.21, it's says that Christ died for nothing if we could be righteous by obeying religious law. Religious law is not the ladder to heaven. Jesus is the ladder. And whoever trusts and believes in Jesus alone for eternal life, repenting of their sin, God will give righteousness as His gift to them. Sinners' rules cannot make other sinners righteous, and all of us are sinners. So only God can make a sinner righteous, and there's nothing that we can do to save ourselves or even help save ourselves. Jesus lived a perfect life, the only person who lived ever lived perfectly righteous, and so only He can save us. And there is no other way but Him. Every other way has just been concocted by just another sinner. The Bible says that God covers us with Christ's own personal righteousness, which He gives to us, and like a robe, we put on His righteousness, and we cannot earn it. We are accepted into heaven only if we are wearing Jesus' robes of righteousness. We all sin. We all need a Savior. We cannot save ourselves. Polygamy cannot save us. No religious law that man can make up, no ritual that man can, can command can save us. Only Jesus Christ and His death on the cross opened the way for sinners to go to heaven. Jesus is our ladder there. Jesus' robes of righteousness are given to all those who will forsake everything and everyone else and turn and believe and follow Him alone. Thank you for watching and good night.
0: This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy What Love Is This? This program is a production of A Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again.